here we are at Pod and Market. Today's guest is someone who's very well known in Newark, uh, mostly because he feeds a lot of people in Newark, um, and that's Kai Campbell. He is uh, the owner of the Walla, formerly known as Burger Walla. He also owns Bragman's Deli Rest and Restaurant out in uh, the South Ward, I believe. Um, and he is um, soon to be the owner, or is the owner, but soon to be opened, uh, the yard, uh, which is in the middle of Military Park. So I want to welcome Kai to the podcast. Um, and just want to see, first of all, how, you, how are you doing in the era of COVID-19? Hey, peace, man. Um, but first, before that, I just yeah. want to tell you that you have the best damn podcast name <laughs> I've ever heard. When I when I heard first heard about Pod and Mark, I was like, God damn, that is a great name. And if I was in the podcast market, like I'm sure a lot of people are, this would be like the name. Like, damn, I wish I thought of that first. So great name, first of all. So a, a quick side <laughs> note. A quick side note on that. I I got really nervous last year when the city was like, we're going to rename Broad Street Kenneth A. Gibson Boulevard, and I was like, oh god, no. Because my podcast <laughs> depends on that name, uh, but what, from what I know, yeah, it's it's going to be sure. both names. So, uh, like my 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 podcast name will still be relevant. Thank God. <laughs> hey, man, sh- sh- shout out to you know um, the spirit of Ken Gibson, yeah, yeah. and I'm sure you know he he would he would be okay with this name, man. So I, I you know that's that was like damn, that is a great name. So you got that. Um, but yeah, man, to answer your question, uh, I, I'm just like everybody else, you know. Uh, trying not to get too high mm-hmm. or too low, you know what I mean? Yeah. And trying to uh, maintain some something that resembles stability. It's really hard. And, you know, in this time with either the pandemic or what we're going through in our, you know, not even in our communities and state and country and the world, it's like, you know, it's, it's, a, li- it's, it's a little ki- bit chaotic. Um, you know, I have two younger children and, you know, we have three restaurants that we're trying to figure out and, you know, there are people depending on us and, you know, stuff like that. So we're just trying to maintain and trying to push forward. And, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a futurist. So, you yeah. know, now's the time to, to plan for that type of stuff. So, you know, but how are you doing, man? How, how's everything with you and, um, you know, just the world? How are you? Yeah, so it's it's kind of funny. Thank you for for asking. Um, it's it's been I haven't been releasing as many episodes as I as I always do, and I guess I can sort of sympathize. Although I know things are much harder for you because this podcast is not my my livelihood. This is just a, a project that I do, and I I, I totally I, I've been affected by that too. Not in the same capacity as you, but in the sense that like it's harder to record. I, I I'm a big believer in recording in person. But I also believe in getting this stuff out there. So thank you for coming on. I, I you know, I struggled for a, a, about a month or two deciding whether or not to record from home because I like the dynamic of having someone come into the studio and seeing them there. Yeah. Because I'm a very yeah. like physical person in that sense. I like feeding off that energy that when I see the person. Um, Absolutely. But I think these issues are important. And, and, I, and I'm so happy that you came on because I think... A lot of us in Newark, I mean, all of us really, because we're all under that stay-at-home order, which is, I think, just about to be lifted. But, like, we're all suffering together, right? Whether you're a business owner, whether you're a resident, or even if you just work here in Newark. So, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's, it's, it's tough, man. It's, yeah. um, you know, like you said, we're all going through it together. And that's what's made this a little bit, you know, that's the silver lining in it for me, is that we're all going this together in Newark's community I gotta be honest with you man I'm like super proud it's sort of like the last time I felt this way was a snowstorm a few years ago and <laughs> yeah you know and I just came outside to shovel and the entire block was shoveling together yeah and it gave me so much hope man you know what I mean and you know we haven't had a bad snowstorm around in you know in the city in, a, in like a couple years or so um but it just it just made me feel great, you know what I mean, in the midst of all that stuff. And it it has been the a the, the like I said, the silver lining in all this is that um and not only the pandemic, right? It's sort of like, you know, how we've protested um yeah. for um you know you know, equity and equality and 
in human rights in this city is like we've been prescriptive with it. We've been proactive about it. You know, our mayor comes from a, you know, a, 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 a different tradition. Uh, so he's a, he's, he's a, he's a part of things. Um, members of our community, no matter where you come from and what part of the city you live in, um, it's, it's been it's been a very welcome site. And that doesn't mean that we don't have discourse that can be edgy and that can be touchy and stuff like that. But we're having the discourse. Yeah. You know, we're having the conversations, uh, whereas in a lot of parts of the country and even in small towns and cities, they, they, they're just now having the conversation. So we're, we're ahead of that curve a little bit um you know in one aspect and we're, we're trying to to flatten the curve in another aspect yeah. so I, i've been you know it's, it's 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 there's some silver lining for being in this place and at this time you know what i mean yeah it's kind of funny i'm i'm actually i hate to say it this way but like i'm a little sick of all the articles now that are being written about newark because it's like oh now you just noticed us like because all these like the new york yeah. times is like why isn't newark on fire right now of all the cities right they should be like completely flattened and it's like we, li- we, we live in the long shadow of 1967, and we all know what that meant, yeah. uh, no matter what race you are or, or um, what your background is, right? I think we all know yeah. why that happened and what effect that had on the city. And, and to connect it back to you, I, you know, Bragman's is part of that history because it was, you know, it didn't leave, right? It, it's, it, it was still there, right. uh, and it still continues. Right. So I'm wondering, like, you know, what do you think about that history of Newark, right? And like, do you feel that Bragman's well, is part of that history? Oh, absolutely. I mean, besides Krug's, um, mm-hmm. I can't name an older restaurant in the city. You know, Bragman's was started in 1937. Yep. Um, and to your point about like, you know, well, this long shadow, well, you know, my I come from a tradition of uh, sharecroppers and, mm-hmm. you know, some people that were farmers sometimes you have to burn your fields, right? Mm-hmm. So for all the people that are asking about why North is on fire right now, well, we've already burned our fields and we're cultivating now. We have new crops, you know? So, um, you know, Bradman's withstood all of those seasons, um, you know, and it's part of tradition of the city. Um, it's in a neighborhood, for instance, if, you know, if you want to talk about historical context, uh, Bradman's, uh, obviously started off as a kosher deli Mm -hmm. uh we're now the third family to own it uh the bragman's family started in 1937 the reisner family bought it uh having worked with the bragman's uh they bought it in 1951 and of course we've had it for about a year and a half buying it in 2019 um but you know as a historically a jewish city uh historically a um a black city it's you know it's it's a very diverse city i mean there was a there's a chinese population there's an italian yeah. uh history there's an irish history there's a strong latin history of course um and you know me personally and how my family fits within that is you know my uh i'm basically like a fourth generation norker um but on one side or on the other side my grandfather moved up here from the south mm-hmm. uh where you know my mother was you know an activist student and you know um and experiencing different levels of that and my grandfather moving up here uh to actually become a, a chef and eventually being a kosher chef right so this is wow. a brother from the south uh moving up here because he had no opportunities in the south to be a real chef not a not a, a porter or a waiter, but a, an actual chef, um, and becoming and coming up to the north into New Jersey uh, with my grandmother, who was a nurse, and for the same reason she couldn't find work in the South. Uh, they come from Florida, a uh, small mm. town in Florida, Quincy, Florida, uh, right outside of Tallahassee, uh, and he went on to open and own, not work for, but own two kosher restaurants, right? where he had partners. One was the front of the house, uh, another person was the bookkeeper, and he was the back of the house. He was in the kitchen. Uh, and in Edison uh, and um, other parts of Union County, they had two restaurants. And like I said, and there were parts of like my home life where, you know, we actually kept kosher and stuff like that. A lot of people, you know, don't know about that stuff. Mm. And, you know, but but for the love of pork chops, 
um, you know, my family, you know, that's my family's history. And if you look at Bragdon's and you look at, you know, Hawthorne Avenue yeah. and the diversity of a Hawthorne Avenue, the diversity of the weekway section of Newark, the South Ward, um, that could birth both in, in house, both Amiri Baraka and Philip Roth. Right. Mm, yep, yep. Um, it's, it's, it is that juxtaposition and, and that relationship of community that is very important. And that's what's created the Bragman staying power. Right. So you have, the historical context of how it was formed and how it was founded and who's owned it. But then you have the patronage and actual the employees that have worked there, right? So people will talk about, hey, Bragg's is one of the last two um, uh, traditional yeah. Jewish delis in the entire city, uh, which used to house several, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, at some points rivaling New York City um, in both delis and theaters, right? and then department stores and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's Bragman's has had that unique position of being in a, a, in a neighborhood that was very diverse. And, um, you know, that's to me, what's created the staying power, the legacy, the history of this place is that through everything from 1937 to 2020, you know, it is, you never know who's going to come through your door. Um, you know, we have people that, you know, come in and it's the first stop off their plane when they, when they fly in from California to, to EWR, where yeah. you have people that literally have grown up on that block, uh, and that are 80 years old and said, you know, I remember having my first Bragman sandwich, um, when I was a junior in high school and I've come here every year since to have my holiday, you know, platter, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, so yeah, it's it's the breadth of and and the strength of the diversity of that neighborhood that has really made it you know a staple you know uh, you know the Janice is probably the most famous sandwich in the hood you know what I mean so yeah um, or or the Charlie it's you know Janice and Charlie they they may not have known who people were but you know if you say Janice and Charlie or any bus line in the city people know what you're talking about yeah uh, yeah thank you for 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 fleshing that history out, I was actually going to ask you, and you kind of got into it, um, how you got into food, because, you know, I always wondered how, you know, food became such a big thing in your life. I didn't realize you had a family history there. Um, but yeah, 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 how did, how did you, yeah. you personally come to that decision that you wanted to be a restaurateur? Uh, well, so obviously my grandfather owned restaurants, but he actually owned them before I was born. Like, so when uh, you know, I didn't have a cognizant history of being in the restaurant. My mother, uh, you know, she worked in them while she was in college here in New Jersey and, you know, and helped out while, you know, as a young, uh, you know, whatever she was doing. Um, but um, one thing that I was always taught is that, you know, if you have knife skills, you can do two things you'll you you won't go hungry and you know you can get a job mm-hmm. so that's really true anywhere in america if you know how to use a knife you can walk <laughs> into a michelin star restaurant right now yeah. you may not become a sous chef or the executive chef but you can get a job cutting something yeah. you know what i mean um so when i was in college you know i did i did that to like you know i i, I did not want to graduate with debt and i, I I like to enjoy myself. So I was like, I need to put money in my pocket. So I'm going to also people I would, you know, work in places and, you know, as my second job or third job or something like that. And then after, you know, I graduated, you know, it was always something I was like, Hey, listen, breaking bread is a very religious experience mm-hmm. for not only for like my family, but our community. You know what I mean? Like I remember even when I did not like the food, my mother would cook, uh, from sunup to sundown on Sundays and then the entire neighborhood would pass through our kitchen. You know what I mean? My friends and I would be eating oodles and noodles and my friends would be eating chicken and waffles. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, and so it was always this thing where just not to be blasphemous, but it's very religious. Yeah. I love breaking bread with people. I love, like you said, like you like bringing people into the studio and like seeing their eyes. Like I'm a very, you know, empathetic and affectionate person. You know, I like to see people. I like pleasing people. It is, it is like the greatest compliment 
I've ever received is like somebody that's 80 years old and coming into me and telling me somebody I, have, I don't know from Adam and he even saying like, hey, that's the best burger I've ever had. What? You're 80 years <laughs> old. You've eaten hundreds of thousands of burgers. What are you talking about? There's no way. Stop blowing smoke. And then coming back religiously just to share in this experience with us. You know what I mean? But so to answer the question, like I always thought about it, like, you know, I went to the University of Virginia mm. and food was a big part of like my experience there. And I was just like, man, you know, I, as a kid, like if I got straight A's, my mother would bring me an Italian cheeseburger to school for lunch, you know? And nice. I just remember these motivating factors around food, whether or not it was like love, whether or not it was affection or telling a story. Um, I just loved it. And the difference between how my mother cooks and how my father cooks and how my grandmother cooks and how my grandfather cooks and my grandfather barbecues and my grandmother stews and, you know, all of those things meant a lot to me. And I was like, man, if I could just do something around my school, like, so I was like, man, if I, if I brought a chicken shack down to Virginia where, you know, there's the Waffle House and stuff like that. But I was like, man, they have never had an Italian cheeseburger. They would go crazy for this. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, this so, is, you know, I was, no, I was going to say, this is why I hate leaving Jersey sometimes because I've yet to have a good pizza outside of the, a 20 mile radius of Manhattan. <laughs> like it, it just, it, it's, it's hard, man. yeah. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like I love New Orleans and like, I think it's a sister city to New Jersey, uh, to Newark, sorry. And I, you know, I love the cuisine down there, but I would never have a sliced down there or pastrami for that matter i mean yeah. i don't think i've had good pastrami outside yeah. of this well i've heard la there's some yeah. actually good spots in la but that's mostly because a lot of jewish new yorkers moved out to to la you know oh, it's crazy i've never i've never had a deli sandwich in la yeah. just because when i go out there you know i want mexican food what right? they say which is like yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can't get good mexican in jersey and i'm like you Ooh. Know, um, Not to talk about other restaurants, but uh, downtown Taqueria in, um, or Taqueria downtown, I think there's like, people dispute the name, but uh, over in um, Jersey City, I have LA friends who say mm -hmm. that's the closest you can get to like LA style tacos in, in no, like, the New York area. I've, no, I, I've, I've eaten their tacos a lot, you know, yeah. before and after getting in the restaurant business. Yeah. And, you know, they, listen, I've, I've gone there, they, they, have, they have some good stuff, they have mm. some good stuff. Uh, I think... Yeah, um, a lot of people don't know this though. So, um, getting back into like why I wanted to get into yep. food, but yep. sort of kind of. So, I was part of the original, I was the guy that was like, hey, I'm going to get Chipotle to come to Newark, right? Really? So, part of my job as an economist for Corey uh, Booker uh, was like, I would meet with any and every retailer in the entire country and pitch them on coming to Newark and trying to put together a deal. And the head of uh, real estate in the region for Chipotle, Lisa Drake, she would make, she would come to Newark for four years in a row. She came to Newark twice a year and she would meet with me just off the strength of like our relationship mm -hmm. and her love of Corey. And like, I would take, I would take her around and show her the housing in the Equay section. And I would show her Forest Hills. And then she'd be like, Kai, this is great. Oh my God, I love this. But I just want you to know, I'm not opening a Chipotle in Newark. Yeah. And I was like, man. And it, it went from that sentiment to, um, well, I kind of like this. Oh, well, the university is doing this. Oh, that's interesting. You know what I'm saying? And so eventually, even after I left, they signed the deal and stuff like that, which is great. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I say all that to say um, Burger Walla, uh, which is one of our, uh, which was our original store, yep. was actually going to be Taco Walla. Right? Oh. Um, be because there is um, Mexican and Indian as a fusion is un I, I don't know if yeah. I can curse on this, but it's unfucking believable. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it is like the spices, the the recipes, the 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 synergy behind those two cuisines when mashed together is unbelievable. And the only reason I didn't leave with that is because. Having worked for Chipotle, I thought it would be a little bit disingenuous if I worked so hard to bring a Chipotle here and then, you know, five blocks away opened up a taco spot, which now I know are completely different markets and right. would serve completely different populations and they both can exist and stuff like that. Um, but that's the reason why I didn't do it. 
Right. So um, I, I too, my brother, am a fan of quality tacos. Yeah, so you know what's funny is you're, um, not to, I don't want to compare guests, but you preempted three of my questions already. My question, my next question was going to be literally why Burger Walla or how did that come about? And you just answered that, which is pretty great. And like, yeah. I'm glad you brought up fusion cuisine because I think fusion cuisine is really great, but can also be really messed up. Like people can think, oh, yeah. I just, it's like smashing two things together and hoping it works. Um, and yeah. I was watching a great video, I think I'll put it in the article, about why... Um, Macanese cuisine, which is cuisine from Macau, they argue is like the first fusion cult, like fusion cuisine in history, which is like Portuguese traders in Macau, you know, you know, marrying Chinese um, women there, uh, and and they're, they're, these women would learn how to make Portuguese food, but would add the Chinese stuff to it, and that like really um, mixed well together. And I'm thinking of Newark is very similar, right? It's a city that I think you know. Is, is ripe for fusioning, right? Because you have all these cultures bumping up against each other. And I'm glad that like, oh, that's, yeah. that was what, what was in your mind was like, you know, can I take two cultures and like, see where they, the spices no, overlap I, and everything. Absolutely. I mean, part of for us, besides this religious experience is like the telling of a story. Mm -hmm. You know, we have this, this oral tradition of griots and stuff like that. And we love to tell stories. We like to talk about backstories, where people are from. And that's behind why I wanted to do this. Also, I mean, you know, why we led with Burger Wall is that, you know, in my process of trying to pitch people from around the country to open up here, every single major burger franchise said no. Wow. So I don't care. I mean, obviously, Shake Shack at that time was not into expansion mode, stuff like that, yeah, as, yeah. as aggressive as they had become. But I'm talking about Five Guys Smash Burger, Elevation Burger, any other you know, underscore burger place, which yep. is like hell no to Newark. But while opening up places around Newark and having, you know, our population and community come out and bust to these places to work there, they just were not interested in, in Distress Urban, um, and which is my main focus is like, listen, I love Distress, I love Urban, and I love proving to people that it can work in these places. Um, and that there, yeah. there's, some, there's some buying power and cultural power there. Um, but in part of the, the fusion is that, you know, I didn't think at the time a straight up Indian restaurant would work. Um, everybody's mm. doing burgers. It's like, hey, nobody's ever done Indian burgers, right? Even if, when you go to parts of India, it's it's not. It, yes. it, it, it there's doesn't, there's it a good reason why they don't do burgers yeah, in India. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So whether whatever meat they're using, chicken or even like the chickpea base, it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't, it never it's like, man, there's so many other good foods. We don't have to do burgers, right? Yeah. Um, so, but like to your point is like, you know, if you think about Newark, right? And I, I we talked about the beginning of the our conversation is like, there's so many cultures here that you could easily like, you know, especially, you know, so you have an African tradition, which is that mm -hmm. has created this Southern American traditions of food. You have the Latin tradition, which is also diasporic, right? It is like yep. coming from different places and stuff like that. And then you have the Italian, you have the Spanish, mm. and you have the Portuguese. And like what all of that means, and it's sort of like, damn, if you, you have a couple different techniques, but you have all these different spices and ingredients that you can use. And, you know, North being a coastal town, like the seafood, like there's no reason why North should not be a seafood hub, you know what I mean? Where people are coming here and saying, hey, oh my God, they have X, Y, or Z, you know, the way that when we go out to, you know, when you think of like Long Island City and stuff like that, it's like, well, why, why can't Newark have like all of these different like fresh seafood, you know, like when you go into, um, like when I was thinking about opening a restaurant, my mother took me to this place in, in LA and you basically choose your fish, uh, whether or not it's, you know, flounder or red snapper or salmon or something like that. You tell them how you want it made and you can choose your size or something like that. Yeah. Like, why doesn't that exist in Newark? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, all I'm seeing right now is popping up is, you know, everybody loves crab. Everybody loves lobster. <laughs> everybody loves shrimp. It's like, we, why, how can we only either have fried shrimp or shrimp and garlic down neck? You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, why, where's all, like, why isn't anybody stuffing shrimp? You know, why isn't anybody, you know, doing, you know, something creative with it that is like, uh, You're you starting to sound I mean? like Bubba so, Gump right now. <laughs> Do 
Do you know Bubba Gump or no? From Forrest Gump, just like uh, listing the shrimp. Uh, um, not Bubba Gump. I'm sorry, Bubba. Uh, what was his last name in the movie? He's a character. He fights with um, Forrest no. Gump in Vietnam, and all, all he does is list shrimp dishes that his family makes. His family's from like Louisiana, no, no. and he just lists. I forget what his last name was yeah. in that movie, but he, you know, great. Ca- Listen, I mean, I, I know that Bubba and Forrest would be yeah. uh, extremely proud of the sh- of the shrimp burger that we used to make. So, um, right. which you know, which I'll let you, let you know now is going to be on a permanent menu at Yay. the yard. Um, I've always you know, asked for I've never, you know, I've never had it. I've always asked at the Walla, oh, wow. but it was just never, because you guys, I think, only did it on Thursdays yeah. and Fridays, and it would always be out, and yeah, like, I was like, know, ugh. Yeah, it was only, it was only there Thursday and Friday, we stopped doing it last year, um, and it got to a point that even on Thursday and Friday, yeah, people would call two weeks in advance to reserve it. You know what I mean? What? And we oh, open wow. at eleven. Uh, we open up at eleven o'clock. I've in let's just say in three years that I can remember, I think that we only had shrimp burgers available after twelve o'clock, even though we opened at eleven, mm-hmm. maybe five to ten times uh, in like three years. You know it, what I'm saying? If you don't mind me um, asking, was it like a, a sourcing problem, or you just had like really high standards and you didn't want to, or was no, it just like I a mean, lot of work, was, or? Well, it's it's work, yeah. it's standards, mm-hmm. and there's this thing of like exclusivity, right? So here's something that you're not getting. Like I, I see, you know, I, you, you see them posting on social media, oh, I have a shrimp burger. And it's like, that's a shrimp po' boy. That's not a burger, right? <laughs> yeah. This is like a shrimp burger. And it's not, and it's not just like, you know, the fact that we grind up shrimp and we're chopping it up or something like that. Um, it's like everything that goes into it. It has no filler. It has no mm. other stuff. And that, that paved the way for so many of our other creations. I mean, we've done, I did burgers with fresh lobster. Like I'm putting lobsters to sleep the night mm-hmm. before, you know, and making lobster burgers. We've done burgers with scallops. Um, we've done, you know, obviously we've done literally filleting fresh salmon and making burgers. Uh, we did oyster burgers, obviously crab. Um, I'm missing another seafood. We didn't do octopus. I think I can't, I can't even remember. But yeah. it's that type of like, yo, um, we were always meant to be a hole in a wall. Yeah. But sometimes, like I remember after doing the first couple burgers of the month, and people being like, oh, I mean, whatever. And I and I I did a duck burger, and I <gasps> and I basically wow. served it with like a. Um, with uh, 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 with mushrooms and a champagne reduction, and we did it to like, it, it was, listen, man, I, they, those are things where I was just like, yo, I'm not, you know, you go to certain places and you know, like Oshawa in Chicago or something like that, and you can't, they're not just turning out ten thousand of those burgers. It's sort of like, yo, these people came here to experience this. Um, it's not for everybody, and that's the way I wanted to keep it. You know, so it won't be like the the yard is anticipated to have a three prong menu, so it's going to have a, a weekday menu, a brunch menu uh, for Saturday and Sunday, yeah. and a dinner dinner menu for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And so it'll be on the dinner and the brunch menu, not the weekday menu. Um, but it it won't like disappear. Like right. it's that and uh, something else that we're going to do. Uh, we're bringing back the wee wee, which is our which is our oxtail burger, which for mm. me was pound for pound, like the best burger that, that could be made that is without, without, you know, creating, you know, meat from plant matter that is not yet harvested or something mm. like that would win, win us a Nobel Peace Prize or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, but yeah, we're, we're, we're excited. The reason is it's sort of like we want to hold it to a high standard, right? It's sort of like, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a limited printed lithograph. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah. You actually preempted my question because I was going to ask you next, like your vision for the yard. And I, just to give a, a quick um, a quick background for our, our audience, um, back when Military Park was completely revamped, I want to say 2014, 2015, um, they installed those two buildings uh, in the middle of the park. One is the offices of the, the maintenance people, and the other side was a, the idea for a restaurant, which was occupied by um, a place called The Berg, which 
shut down about two years ago, um, kind of actually by su surprising a lot of us. I think they just announced they weren't reopening for the summer. And that really disheartened me because I lived in downtown Newark and it was one of the few places that, that was open on the weekends. And you know, obviously aside from the Walla, um, but it, you know, when they left, it just, it, it felt like that same sad story about our city. You know, you mentioned earlier, it's like a sort of theme I have with this city is like, why can't we have that cool stuff that other people have? I look to Jersey City and I look to Hoboken. It's like they have several cocktail bars, but every time I tell someone, you know, I tell people who work in development in the city, like we need a cocktail bar. They're like, that's not what Newark, you know, there's no audience for that in Newark. And I'm like, that's like a self-fulfilling prophecy I find sometimes. And so I, I was so sure. glad when I heard that not only was that space being reoccupied, but it's being reoccupied by someone who has worked in Newark, right? Because um, I think part of the problem, not to pontificate on the Berg, but like I think it was run by an outside organization that had just come into Newark. Not saying that's going to be a recipe for failure, but like they're not sensitive to how things work here. Like they were closing early on Saturday nights, which I thought was like weird because I'm like, you know, there are people who live here who would love to to go to a place like that. Um, so I wanted to ask you about like, what is your vision for the yard? What do you want it to be um, for the newer community, particularly for the downtown community? So um, it's, it's a little bit ambitious. I know mm -hmm. we've had control of the space for the better parts of a year mm -hmm. now. And um, at first, you know, when we took over the space, First of all, we had to buy it sight unseen. They wouldn't let us inspect anything, right? There was a very contentious negotiation period wow. and stuff like that. Um, so imagine dumping a lot of cash on a car, not mm -hmm. being able to drive it. And then yeah. as soon as you get the keys to open the door, you're like, oh, my God, what the heck is this? I'm going to have to spend twice as much, you know, revamping the space uh, just to get it operational. You know what I mean? Um, so that, that was one thing. The second thing is that, like I mentioned, we're very ambitious with the space. Essentially what they, what was created is a glorified concession stand, right? Yep, yep. It's not meant to turn out. It's not meant to create a eating, dining, drinking experience. It's meant to be just something. And what we want to do is we want to create, which, what is like, and in the spirit of what Peter has done at Jimenez, which is in mm. other places yeah. that are not here anymore, right? Think about when 27 Mix first opened, when Mom Poe first opened, eating at Jay's, eating at John's, eating at Miss D's, all of these yep. places gave people an experience, right? And it's not just an experience of, I'm going to wow you. I'm not trying. We're not going after Michelin stars, right? Mm -hmm. But what I will tell you is that you can take me to any place and I will put the shrimp burger, I will put our oxtail burger against anything else. Mm -hmm. What we're planning to do with cocktails is like, listen, Barcade and Charlie and, and that those people yep. over there, they have a lot of beers on tap. If you love beer, beer, North is a beer town. I get it. Our history of beer, they have a lot of great beers on tap. We're going to have some beers on tap, but we're not going to be a beer bar, of right? Because yeah. I can't compete in a concession stand. I cannot put 20 heads up and, and have 20 different types of craft brews up. That's just not going to be us. But what we are going to do is what we're going to go after the spirit that what you just alluded to is that people think North isn't ready for. Mm -hmm. So if you tell me that if I go to any bar in any part of the hood, if people aren't drinking Long Island iced teas, no, no, they are. <laughs> they right? are yeah. People aren't people are people aren't in there drinking cans of Budweiser, right? So if I go to them and say, "Hey, listen, oh, you like a Long Island? Well, try this." You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, "Damn, what is that?" Right. Exactly. We're gonna we we tend to what we're gonna do and what we're gonna try to do is do what do what we did at all of the other places, which is take something that people think is so unassuming and so unexpected and turn it on their heads and say, oh, shit, wait, wait, you're turning out this here? You know what I mean? Um, so, for instance, whether or not that's going down to Gill at All Points West, yep. coincidentally, our team, we're going, we're going and meeting with Gill tomorrow. 
just we're gonna literally just yeah we're gonna drink a lot tomorrow you know what i mean uh, i'll, <laughs> I'll be drinking a lot with gil today i'm actually seeing him <laughs> today so <laughs> nice coincidence oh that's just yeah right. he's actually that's been on the stuff. podcast like, so an, an older episode funny enough yeah, yeah. I, 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 I listened to that one um gil's a great dude you know um you know what he and his family are doing here is, mm. you know is is in the same we're in this we're in the same mold man we're trying to bring and and do excellence here not from without but from within and so that's really so on on three three things right mm -hmm. so on the food side we want to continue in the tradition of what we, we what we what we've been known for right right we're going to hit you with some things that are like okay i get that and then we're going to do some things like for instance the oxtail the shrimp or what about if i put and gave you a corned beef hash samosa hmm. and you're going to be like what wait a second where did that come from well it just makes so much sense right um or if i say hey we're going to do um a duck jambalaya and i'm like what or making you know, stuffed French toast with challah bread instead of, you know, whatever. Like, nobody's, you know, doing that. Stuff. And so that, that's on the food side. So then on the, on, the, on the drinking experience and with the spirits and everything else, we want to create a cocktail menu that, like I said, like, you know, places that you would go to in Newark, uh, like when everybody got together and did the, the cocktail challenge. We, wanna, we basically want to yeah. take the cocktail challenge and we want to do that every day. We want people to come in and we want them to experience cocktails, whether or not that's with a mezcal, a tequila, a rum, a whiskey, or a gin, or anything, and say, hey, listen, damn, okay, okay, I see, I see where you're coming from. And it not have, and you not having to go outside of North to get an yep. experience like that, which is the third thing, which is about experience. So culturally, we want to make people a little bit uncomfortable. Um, we want people to come back and say, yo, you're from York, right? Yeah. yeah, I grew up here. I grew up in the North Ward. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up here in the South Ward and parts of the North Ward because I, 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 I claim the North Ward too because I, I spent so much of my childhood playing baseball up there. Yep, I used to play baseball up there. Yeah, I played baseball over in uh, School Stadium, which is they redeveloped about 10 years ago. But I remember the old crumbling yeah. building that I, I was, was – yeah, I was I was next door to school stadium uh, last night, um, seeing some family. Oh wow, that's like a block away. By the way, that's a block away from where I grew up. Like I grew up on Eleventh between Second yeah, and Third. Sure. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, we were just there last night. Yeah. Um, so the thing is, when you're when you grow up in Jersey, mm -hmm. you're taught, and I, I'm not. I don't know how old you are, but I'm I'm in my late thirties, mm -hmm. and. Um, you're, we grow up in the country says Jersey is a toilet bowl, right? Uh, yep, yep. I get that and a lot. Inside of that toilet bowl, North is the turd. <sighs> and I'm, I'm so, yeah. I've grown up so angry with that. You know what I mean? And it's sort of like, you know what? I'm going to turn this on your head and I'm going to give you the Caddyshack moment where you think it's a turd, but it's really a delicious Snickers bar. You know what I'm saying? And I want people to come away with that type of experience where I want people to travel here and I want you to basically ask our permission to be here, yeah. right? Because we're going to give you that experience that is like, yo, listen, it's not what you thought. It's not this claim that you've given to me that I'm going to subscribe to. We have this self-efficacy and self-determination that says that we are doing something excellent here. And whether or not that's like it, it pains me that you know Symphony Hall is dark. It pains me yep. that NJ Pack is dark. Yep. But it also pains me that there are places that in a city that was so rich with theaters, a a, a place that has, like I said, birth and Mary Baraka yep. and Philip Roth, that there's there's no place in Newark right now that if if I was a kid and I'm a, and I wanted to get in the theater that I could go on and put on one of their put on a uh, a Mary Baraka play. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to produce, my dad used to produce and direct some of his plays. They were very close. Oh, like like Dutchman or films, right? Wow. Yeah, like so when he did community wow. theater and stuff like that in North, um, you know, my father's right there. My father, you know, was an actor and an educator. Um, 
But so it pains me to do that. So I want to create a space where every day of the week we're programming it. So much of the of, of our experience here in Newark is that we don't we don't give it enough time to grow. Mm-hmm. So we want to do experiment with residencies, whether or not that's hey, listen, you know that sisters are going to be DJing or producers are going to be displaying their stuff on Tuesday nights, right? right? And, it, and, and she's going to be there for three months. So it allows her fan base to come and experience some of our cuisine and our cocktails, and it allows our fan base to experience what they have artistically. You know what I mean? We need to create more, like, you know, it's, I was the chair when the, when the movie theater was publicly owned, like the movie theater oh, the that, now, that people think. Yeah. 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 Right. So for yeah. a long time, uh, a nonprofit uh, owned and ran that, and it was it was basically owned by the city and North Housing Authority. Yep. Um, when I when they installed me on the board there, uh, they were losing about thirty thousand dollars a month. Wow. Um, for whatever reason, the board, uh, bless them, was like, "Hey, Ty, you're going to now be the chair of the board. You're going to run this movie theater." And I'm like, "What? What?" And we we took it from the red to the black, and the next month we sold it sold it to the team uh, that included Shaquille O'Neal. Right. Yep. yep. So, but it pains me that kids don't have anything else. Forget kids; people don't have anything else to do. Like, where are all the bowling alleys? They're gone. Yep. We have one movie theater. You know what I'm saying? There's there's no comedy club. Like, God bless Justin, mm-hmm. and you know, in his and and um. Brick City um, Comedy Review, yeah. Brick City Comedy Review, yeah, yeah. because you know I look forward to that every first Friday. You know, yep. big up to Zay and what he's trying to do with First Fridays and all the galleries from Aquaba to Pharaoh. But you know, City Without Walls is is dark right now. Yep. You know, Al Jaira is dark right now. <sighs> you know, God bless people like you know Rebecca Jampol and you know the fact that we have Sayemi Shakur, who is like my sister an activist leading arts and culture for the city and for our mayor, who's an artist, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? We need to, we need to have their back because we can't allow, we can't expect the city to create these things because that's not what cities do. That's not what the government is there to do. They're there to facilitate, which they're now doing. They're, they're going to give us equity and equality and empower us to say, hey, listen, if you want to do something, I'm going to give you the resources and give you the st- and, and the and some some power behind you so that you can have sustained power. Not yeah. to use the word twice, but what we need is power. We need some level of power artistically in the city, and that's the third thing that we're going to focus on, which is the power of experience. Mm-hmm. Like I said, not to be blasphemous, but breaking bread and sharing time with people is a very religious experience for us. And whether or not that's getting together to argue, fight, or to love, you know what I'm saying. We need we need we need a space for that, you know what I'm saying, and not not to 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 play on the fact that it's military park, mm-hmm. but we need a place to to hash out things. We need a place to come up with new ideas. We need a place to build. We need a place for people that have nothing else to have something. So since day one, you know, I've always allowed. Never, I think maybe once in six years, we we charge somebody to use a space at Wallace. Um, it's like, yo, man, listen, you come in here, you use the space like it's ours. Just clean up, be respectful, yeah. you know, don't break anything. You know what I'm saying? Um, we need spaces like that in the city. You know what I mean? You cannot have people, you know, like this pandemic has, has existed in this town before. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't have a name. Right. But kids have been sitting at home not able to do shit. It's like we need to give and adults, we need places to, to just have a release. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, I want I want you and your friends to come and have brunch and sit there for four hours. Yep. Stuff that we do in other places, you know, that that is not existing in North. Like, where do you sit and go and hang out for four hours? God bless Black Swan. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But they want to turn their tables. You yep. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and no, I was gonna say I can't agree with you more. It's like it's it's it's. It's crazy that like every time I want to do brunch, I have to go to New York City or Jersey City or, or actually really Montclair, which, you know, is a town I, I do love because I, I grew up so close to it. I mean, I joke with people that like North Newark, the YMCA in Montclair is closer to where I grew up in North Newark than the one downtown. Right. 
But that's the hard part about mm-hmm. all these things. It's like you don't have them in the city, so you're forced to go else, elsewhere. Sorry, I didn't mean to, to cut you off, but I, I wanted to just like you mm-hmm. know share, share my agreement with you on that. Um, yeah, no, and, and I, I don't subscribe to the idea like before, right? When all those franchises said yeah. no, hell no to North. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I talk about this anecdotally all the time. Like I, I had a meeting with Coles in the department store, and to this day I don't go into a Coles because mm-hmm. I had a meeting with them, and they lit. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't have a meeting. They wouldn't even take my meeting. Right. I'm like, wait a second. So you mean to tell me that people in North don't need bed sheets and coffee pots? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, so people in North want to eat. They want to eat well. Yep. They want to drink. They want to drink well. You know, they just, a lot of people tired of Long Island iced teas. So mm-hmm. when, you know, what we come up with me and Ben and stuff like that and say, you know, like the other day when we bumped into you and, um, you know, y'all were talking about bitters and stuff like that. People, I want, we want to tell stories with that. Yeah. I want to be able to tell you why we choose, you know, why we're choosing this mezcal over another mezcal. And, oh, you've never had mezcal? Oh, get ready to, you know, why, like, we're stoked about making our own ginger beer. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, it's stuff like that um, that, we know that the city wants and it's not just a pocket here the entire city man like it's people love to eat you know what i mean people love to drink people love fellowship you know what i mean so we were excited about that entire process and that synergy that you know that all three that triumvirate that you know, we're going to try to empower and create to create, you know, last lasting memories, man. Like we, we need to create memories. Mm-hmm. Like my mom, my mom is a little bit more, but she's like, what, do I, what else do I have but to create memories? I mean, <laughs> what do, what, that's all of us. Yep. We want to, we want to create current memories that, you know, I'm a futurist, man. And I want to see this city. Um, you know, we, we put a huge historical context on things. Um, but like I said, we've we've already burned our fields, and it's time to grow. And I want to see, yeah. I want to see 200-story buildings. And if I can't get them figured, uh, literally, I'll I'll settle for them figuratively with, you know, with experiences and memories. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's. I, I think you're. You're. To use another metaphor. I think we've been given that blank slate, and so let's, you know, let's let's yeah. make it something. Um, I really hope that, like, you know, I keep wondering. When are we going to have our Brooklyn moment? Although I also say that with some horror because I know what Brooklyn turned into, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And and I want us to, I, I want us to have that like yeah. middle time, you know, the sort of late two thousands Brooklyn, which was like really cool and really interesting, and not post that, you know, where it's just like you know you go to the Barclays Center, it's just completely corporate at this point. That whole area. Yeah, you know, I, I used to, I used to live right there, man, and we we recently went back over there just to find, and I, I literally. Bro, I was I was I was almost in tears, man. Like about mm. not being able to recognize this, which is not. Listen, I could be, could have been gone for a couple of years, whatever. But I'm talking about some of the things that, like I said, memories. Yeah, being able and sitting on sitting on a, at a bistro on the corner, and posting up there at eleven o'clock and leaving at ten o'clock at night. Yep, I want that. I want that in York. You know what I mean? And like you said, the tabula rasa. It's like, man, listen that plate is a clean plate and I want people to come and I want them to build, I want them to build their menu, you know, and build mm-hmm. their meal. And, you know, I just hope that they build it with us. You know what I mean? And we, I think the reason why I'm a little bit more optimistic about you know, some of the changes is um, because of, again, those empowering moments that I talked about from our leadership. So if you look at, you know, the people and the foundations that are active and on the ground here and the people that are doing the groundwork, uh, not only just, you know, through development, you know, I mean, for every Tony Gibbons, you know, there's a, you know, Ryan Hager doing that with social justice. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's so much going on and like, you know, Audible and, you know, Mr. Katz and the folks at Prudential, there's, you know, people like the hub doing it in the, in the hood, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, North community street team, everybody here is doing it in a way uh, that there's more synergy 
And, you know, my background is in economic development, and I've looked at pretty much study economic development all around the country. I've had the, you know, good fortune to work in different places around the country. And Newark is a little bit different, you know. Um, and we have the opportunity right now to get it right. But I will say that I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, right? Like I'm banking, you know, the livelihood of myself and my family on this stuff. But at the same time, I know that, you know, there's a thin line there that, you know, if we go too corporate one way, it could, it could dissolve and disintegrate. Right. And if we go too back the other, you know, too far um, towards the past, you know, it could disintegrate and we, we won't get, you know, good new energy. And that good energy does not necessarily mean straight white male. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like when, when the Afrobeat Festival came to Newark, one of anecdotally, right? So Berg decided not to even open. Yeah. They had a festival. Yep. They had a festival in their own park, in their own backyard, yeah. in their home, and they didn't even open. I will say, economically, that was one of the biggest days I've ever had as a business. Yep. And I had a little shitty grill that I bought at <laughs> BJ's yep. and a cooler. You know what I mean? Um, and the thing is, people everywhere just want better, man. Mm-hmm. We just want better. We, we, also, know, um, we also just want like um, them to have the heart. And not to bash Berg, I feel bad, because I don't like turning my podcast into like a complaint you know, city. Um, oh, but no, like, no, no. but like, they just it's, didn't it's have the heart. It's truth power, though. It's truth of yeah. power. Yeah. Like they were just you know, like they were like. like yeah, no, sorry. No, you you just can't assume. Like, I I made the mistake. I still think about this at least once a week. My sophomore year in high school, I assumed that I was the smartest person in the room, <laughs> and I quickly learned that I wasn't. Yep. And I tried not to make that mistake ever again. Yeah. Right. And. um you cannot assume everything without doing the hard work, you know, and then that will become, that will allow you to not be descriptive. It'll allow you to be prescriptive. Yeah. And right now we've, we've been doing this work. Um, like I haven't made, we haven't made any changes at Bradley's. People talk about all the changes. You know, the changes we made, we took off things that were shitty on the menu. Mm. Right. And we just eliminated them. We didn't even try to make them better yet. Cause I know we can make them better. Right. Um, and we put a new roof on the building. Right, because we literally wanted to stop the leaks. Right? <laughs> and so, someone's complaining, you um, ruined the roof. It's like, no, we just fixed right. it. <laughs> right. So sometimes you have to do the legwork. So we took yeah. a year just to say, all right, what do we want to do? What do our customers want us to do? You know what I'm saying? And sometimes you have to sit back and you have to watch. Why, you know, Burger Wallow was successful, thankfully, from day one. I've been doing that work. I've I've literally been working in retail and economics for years, my entire life, knowing what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. You know, I've been making burgers like that my entire life. I knew that they were good, you know what I'm saying? And they but they can be better. But there's a there's a there's a balance between like, yo, how can I give you a, a burger for six or seven dollars and versus like twelve dollars, you know what I'm saying? Um, but also, you know, it's you like you said, you have to have your heart has to be like in it. And I, it's not even my passion, bro. Like, it's not even my passion, but like, I used to talk about development and people mm-hmm. would ask me, like, yo, Kai, why are you so mad? So, like, when we, when you asked me to, to be on the podcast, and I'm super honored, thank you again, bro. Oh, um, thank you for coming on. Um, you know, people would say, why are you so mad? And I told you, I'm like, yo, bro, I'm a little bit contrarian, man. I, I brought people the wrong way. Mm. People would ask me that question. Why are you so mad? Why are you so mad? I was like, listen, I'm from here. I can't worry about just building a building. I have to worry about where the building's built, how it's built, what technology is being built, who's building it, who's going to live in it, who's going to work in it, who's going to service the building after it's built, who's going to be excluded from the building after it's built. All of those things play into my mind, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, it's, it's the same way now. Sort of like, you know, you, you have to, you know, I, we have passion to the default man like yeah. we're from here we all yeah. chip chip on our shoulder yeah. right now we just we're just trying to cash in those chips and you know play a different game yeah this is a yeah god i, I do joke sometimes that newark has the biggest chip on, like like that's 
I love the city and like I think we have the energy and and the power to make the changes. I think the one thing we just have to reckon with is our own doubts about ourselves. And I hope that we're able as a town to 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 be also more open to outsiders. I think we have a, an innate suspicion of outsiders for good reason. But sometimes that turns into a chip rather than an actual like, you know, um, actually something productive if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, no, listen, it's, it's cautious optimism. Yeah, man. yeah. It's, you know, we should be, like, the, my my name, the literal meaning of my name is, is derivative of welcoming people mm. into your home. Like, when people come into the restaurant, uh, one of our three main tenants is customer service. Yeah. But I tell them it's customer service with a, with a tint of a black or Jewish grandma. <laughs> you can come into my house. Yeah. You can come to my house. I'm going to welcome you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to love you and nurture you. But the moment you get out of line, it's time to go. And I'm going to let you know that it's time to go. You know what I'm saying? In, in ways that are like, okay, you know that there's some self-value at work there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think that um, it's sort of like the, the divisions that, that exist in our city. I'm like, yo, man why don't you try to get somebody on your team first before you cast them out? You know what I'm saying? If it's like, you don't know what power of experience means. So I don't care if you're, if you're coming in here as a first year teacher, mm-hmm. you're fresh. Again, your, your words, the tabular rest, a clean slate. Yo, I want, I'm going to show you what we're about. And I hope that that translates into you wanting to be on this home team. And more often than not, you'll find that that's the case because people don't, I'm tired of that. Oh, you know, I passed up so many opportunities to be in North. Now you're here, hopefully because you want to be here. Yeah. Now if you just thrown here, like some what the the Blasio has done. Oh, not the, that. I guess that's not a joke. We're not should not joke about that. But right. my thing is, like most of us, we're here because we want to be. And if I'm here because I want to be, I'm going to make the best of the situation, right? And if you don't want to make the best of this of this city it is time for you to go, right? Mm. And that does not mean that we don't critique. That does not mean that we don't censure. That doesn't mean that we don't, you know, try to change things. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that, you know, you have to want what's best for us collectively. I'm a utilitarian, you know what I'm saying? And we, we, need, we need folks that can think with that level of utility at, in, at the forefront of their consciousness, you know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I hope, I mean, I hope this, you know, this does turn into some energy. Um, and you know, I, I, it's funny that you mentioned the little theater earlier. I, I always dream about that place becoming, you know, a nonprofit theater, both movie and, and, um, live performance as well. Just seeing like, I want to see interlocking development. I think it's sort of what you're also getting at this idea that like development comes out from certain areas and, you know, it's not just like a random restaurant being opened in a random ward, but like we're building interlocking areas where people can come and experience. I think and that's the big word I think I'm getting from your um, what you're saying here, which is like we want to create experience, both for people in Newark, but also yeah. people who come here. Um, so um, I'm going to wrap up with uh, the question I ask every guest, which is which is basically what this whole podcast has been about. But like, what are you excited for in Newark? <laughs> Um, besides little theaters, <laughs> um, what am, what am I excited about North is, again, it's that, it's that optimism, right? So you can't name a city in the country that is trying to be at the forefront of this cultural revolution that is built on equity, Right. So there's opportunity for all of us, whether or not you're an artist, you're a developer, you're a banker, you're a teacher. There's just so much opportunity here for us to get this right, you know? And I'm optimistic about, you know, the changes that we're putting in place that that are going to build this into a more equitable city and i'm excited for the fact that we're learning so much about each other like you know 
well, I, I, I critique mm. social media so much, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's easy, especially in New Jersey, and to, to, to I guess get taken under by the NJ.coms of the world and their comment section, not the paper, but I'm talking about the yeah. comment section. Um, it's so easy to let that that hatred and division like spill over, but what people have realized here is that, like I said, we've burned our fields already. We're cultivating, you know, we're in another season of cultivation. And uh, I think that when you think about that, whether or not that means what that will mean for local control Mm. academically, what that will mean for, you know, new home ownership rates or more equitable housing, what that means for, for more rights, what that means for a more judicious um, judicial system, mm-hmm. um, what that means for political engagement. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited for, I'm excited for community, to be honest with you, bro. Like it's, I know that's such a cliche thing to say, um, but like what I'm seeing and what's turning at the communal level in our city, block by block, um where there was once disease mm. we're a disease city man you know what i mean and when until people want to admit that shit like we're not going to cure ourselves of the evils you know what i'm saying and you know i think that i'm excited look i listen i'm i i banked my livelihood i've emptied you know this pandemic is is has taken all of our, you know, savings and stuff like that to yeah. just stay afloat and to stay around. Um, but, you know, I'm optimistic that when all is said and done, we're going to be able to speak differently to each other. And part of that is the religious experience of breaking bread together. Um, and, you know, and I hope that means we're doing that Show with a lot more flyness, man. Like we, we just we need the city to be sexier. Yep. And I, I, I hate to say it, like you know, there was a lot of fucking going on in North, but we need to make a lot more love. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that that means making everything just so much more beautiful. You know what I'm saying? And I see that in the optimism at a very very small communal level. And I'm not whether or not that's with foundations like like Victoria or mm-hmm. businesses like ours or you know, anything, you know, something like that is given the staying power while Nubian flavors can be, you know, can be in business for 20 something years. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's, it's beautiful, man. Um, you know, and I, I, that's, that's what, what makes me most optimistic is that, you know, yeah. Yeah, not to. Uh, I, I, hate to be, I hate to be cliche, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not to piggyback off you, but I think that's also what makes me optimistic is businesses and and people uh, like you, who are, you know, ex- still excited about Newark, who are using the p- pandemic, not as an opportunity to lick wounds, but as an opportunity to look forward, and to plan from there, um, and to use this. Um, to look at this not as a crisis, but as an opportunity, which I know is a bit flippant and can be annoying for businesses who are really suffering right now. But I'm excited that you're seeing this as like a, a way to, you know, w- what's the way to move forward? And uh, and I'm hoping everyone, all the small business owners are are are, are in that same f- uh, frequency as you are. Um, and I hope that, you know, what happens is not another, you know, to, you know, 1967 or 2009, you know, or actually I think a better example is 2009 where, you know, basically Newark ground to a halt um, because of the financial crisis. Um, and I'm hoping that like what, what happens instead is that we, we, we lean in and we, we, we put our, um, not to use a, a cliche, but put our, our noses to the grindstone and, 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 you know, to run with the phrase you're saying, you keep using cultivate these fields finally, and and reap reap those rewards. Um, but uh, that's yeah, it. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, no, I was what I was gonna say is yeah. it's basically the same thing. It's like you know, it's I don't know. It's I I hate to end with like a cliche, but mm. it's 
you know, in the restaurant industry, we've had to be resilient. And, you know, I purposely don't like talking about, you know, I'm, you know, we could talk, we, we could have, whatever, but nobody knows, right? And, but like a city that is, is so ready because we've already, you know, it's like muscle memory. Oh, another fight? Okay, I'm ready for that. And that's, that's, you know, we've broken our nose, so we, we're, we're ready to get punched again and so we can hit that. Right. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Um, that's it for this episode. Um, I would like to thank our guest, Kai Campbell. This is Manny Antunes, host and producer of the Pod and Market podcast. Editing and sound engineering by Bafres. Uh Podcast logo and design provided by Robert Conti. Additional creative input by Samantha Kateas. Pod intro and outro music by Dan Myler. If you have a subject you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, please email podandmarket at gmail.com or contact the pod through social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, and I want to end with a quote. I uh, don't want to take up too much more time on this podcast, but I do want to end with a quote from um, a book called Passing by Nella Larson. Um, so you may have seen recently a lot of um, what are called anti-racist reading lists coming out. Um, there's actually a great article by... Um, uh, Lauren Michelle Jackson, who's a professor at Northwestern, about why these lists are problematic, and I think her article is very informative. Um, but the reason why I'm suggesting this book uh, is because I think what you can use reading for is not to replace actual human experience and understanding and learning about the problems that affect minority communities, and, and in particular in the United States, um, the African American community. But I think what reading offers you is a window to um, a more nuanced view and perspective on what's affecting people. It's not replacing experience, but I think enhancing experience. And so I chose this book because it just got reissued. It's from the Harlem Renaissance. It was, um, she, Nella Larson was definitely like in those same social circles as Langston Hughes, as Zora Neale Hurston. But she, you know, she often gets forgotten about and what is really interesting is she writes about the experience of passing, which is people of African-American descent who are able to portray themselves as white because of just the sheer color of their skin and are able to leave the community. And she delves into the issues around that in this novel. And the scene I'm going to read from is um, the main character has just left an awkward situation where a friend of hers has not told her husband that she is in fact African-American um, and she just is, in, is operating as a white person in her own world. And I mingled with her disbelief and resentment was another feeling, a question. Why hadn't she spoken that day? Why in the face of Bellew's ignorant hate and aversion had she concealed her own origin? Why had she allowed him to make his assertions and express his misconceptions undisputed? Why simply because of Claire Kendry who had exposed her to such torment had she failed to take up the de de defense of the race to which she belonged. Irene asked these questions, felt them. They were, however, merely rhetorical, as she herself was well aware. She knew their answers, every one, and it was the same for them all, the sardony of it. She couldn't betray Claire. She couldn't even run the risk of appealing to defend a people that were being maligned for fear that the defense might in some infinitesimal degree lead the way to final discovery of her secret. She had to Claire Kendry a duty. She was bound to her by, the very, by those very ties of race for which all repudiation of them Claire had been unable to completely sever. Thank you. <laughs>